Amen. Isn't it good to know that we're the children of God? Amen. That is good stuff. That's a great uh, promise to claim that uh, God wants to meet with us. He wants to hear from us. And and so if you've got your outlines, you can take them out and kind of follow along. We're, uh, today we're talking about prayer, the power of prayer. We've been in a series on family. And uh, many of you guys know that one of the things that uh, we probably need to do more than anything is pray. Oftentimes someone's going through a tough time. You'll ask them, hey, what do you what do you have? Uh, what do you need us to do? Is there anything you need done? Just pray. Well, prayer is not our last resort. It should be our first step. You know, and too often what we do is when hey, when all else fails, then we'll pray. And I know as parents, uh, we often struggle. You know, with uh, praying, we we try to do too much on our own. We try to figure things out, and uh, we try to just, hey, you know, we'll we'll do better. We'll we'll make some changes. But prayer is not something that we're to. Just kind of fall into as a last result, but if anything, it ought to be something we do consistently. So prayer is an unnatural activity. It's an unnatural activity. You, know, you might say, well, Mike, you know, I don't know, man. Uh, man, whenever I'm going through a tough time, I pray. But here's the thing. A lot of times it's the only time we do. It's when we're going through a tough time or there's a tragedy, there's some kind of struggle. Then all of a sudden there's prayer, you know, or, but a lot of times we don't do that consistently. So it's kind of an unnatural thing. Uh, like I, I woke up this morning with a, a cold, so you guys can pray for me and pray for whoever's sitting on the front row down here if I don't spit all over them and stuff. And but uh, but what we do is we we say, hey, well, I'm I'm sick or I'm going through a tough time or hey, this just happened and hey, will you pray? But we ought to be praying for our family and praying for our kids, praying for our mom and dad, praying for our relatives daily, daily. And so it's not one of those things that we we just naturally gravitate towards that we have to discipline ourselves to do that. So this past week, what I did was I took uh, I took two or three days to kind of pull aside and to just kind of focus on prayer. So Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, I was really just kind of focusing on prayer. And, um, you know, because we, we can have 700 people here on a Sunday. But, man, if we have any kind of prayer focus, we'll, we'll, we may, we're lucky if we can have seven sometimes. And that's a reflection on me, to be honest with you. I, I'm going, you know what, that's, that's an indictment on me as a leader. And so my time away was God going to show me, you know, what do I need to change? What do I need to change? Because if I can't lead our church to be a people of prayer then, you know, I must be the problem. And so over those three days, you know, one, one of the good things is God revealed how poor my prayer life is. Because I, I'm one of those where my mind is always going. You know, I'm, I may not be the busiest person around. I don't necessarily want to be the busiest person around. But a lot of times my mind is going. So just getting away and being still is a challenge for me sometimes. Just just kind of slowing down and just enjoying the moment. And, uh, and because I'm thinking about the next thing or what we didn't do or what we can improve on and things like that. And so for me, just taking that time to slow down, just to be still, I, it'd be like, oh, gosh, it's only five minutes, you know. Uh, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to have to slow myself down. So for three days, it was constantly just going, Mike, slow down, just just relax, you know. And, and so I'm having to coach myself, you know, hey, listen, just relax, just enjoy the moment. And so I don't know if you're like that. But you say on the go, I mean, I know it's, it's Thanksgiving week, right? And a lot of you guys are thinking about, hey, you know, what's going to happen this week? You're, some of you ladies are sitting around trying to figure out, hey, what you're going to cook, what you're good at cooking, you know. And some of you guys may be thinking about what you're going to cook and what you're going to do. And, hey, you know, where are we going to get together at? Who, what family is going to be there? You know, uh, you know, is that weird uncle going to be there? That weird aunt going to be there? You know, and you're already pre- prepping yourself for that. And so you're already kind of getting anxious. You're thinking about, hey, I've got to go buy this before they run out of it because they always run out, you know. And, and so you start kind of getting busy for a holiday season that is really made to, hey, kind of slow down and give thanks. But we get, we get wound up, you know, and we've got all this we've got to do. It's just like every day. 
A lot of times, maybe you're one of those who you lay in the bed and, you know, and the alarm goes off and you hit snooze and then you wake up again, you hit snooze, you wake up again, you hit snooze, you wake up again, you hit snooze. I don't understand how that works, but my wife used to do that. She doesn't do it anymore. Used to drive me crazy. I'd be laying in bed like, get up and get out of the bed. I mean, come on, deck up. You know, because my thing is if it goes off once, go ahead and get up. You know, and, but for her, it's, she's just going to keep hitting it. She doesn't do that anymore. And, uh, but I think sometimes we, we do that. We lay in the bed. We, we stress ourselves out just by hitting snooze. And then we run to the shower. We get a shower. You know, we're trying to get everything done. And then we're stressed out trying to get there. And we're thinking, hey, we're going to be late. And so the last thing you're thinking about is prayer. The last thing you're thinking about is praying and being still and being enjoying the moment just to be in the presence of the Father. You know what? That's almost pushed and accepted in our culture. That's what you're supposed to do. A few years ago, everybody talked about multitasking. You've got to be good at multitasking. Well, now they're saying, you know what? That's not good leadership. That really what you need to do is you need to, have, you need to have blocks of time where you focus on certain things. That's what makes a good leader. You're able to focus. You're able to you know, show discipline to be able to say, you know what? I'm going to work on this during this time. You know, and multitasking is kind of one of those things where, hey, that, that means that you don't really, you're not paying attention. You're not giving it your all. And so there's a statement here. It says, prayer is the key to unlocking God's consistent and prevailing power in our families. Moms and dads, let me just say this. You know, I, I know in this series, you know, we're doing, we're talking about families and we've talked about strained relationships. And I know that, you know, there's somebody in this room probably affected from one side to the other by some kind of strained relationship, some kind of tragedy, something that has happened, and, and men, it has affected you, it has affected your kids or your, your family members in some way. But there's always something that happens. It could be a physical deal. It could be a, it could be a financial deal. It could be a relational deal. It could be an argument over something you don't even remember what the argument was about, but that relationship is strained. And just like I said, just getting together this week, for some of you, it's stressful. You're thinking about those family members. You're thinking about how they've treated you in the past or whatever, and those things can come into play. But it says, look at it again. It says, prayer is the key to unlocking God's consistent and prevailing power in our families. Consistent and prevailing power. And so here, here's what I would say. You know, I, I think about the key. You know, if you've ever had a padlock, you know, now everybody does combinations because everybody loses the key, right? But the key to unlocking literally God's power in our families is prayer it's not by being more active it's not by you know it's not by reading more books it's not by now maybe reading this book but it's not by going out and doing more but the key is slowing down being still before a holy god and allowing his power to literally cover your family pleading for god's power to, to literally cover your family so prayer is the key to unlocking god's consistent and prevailing power in our families let me just say this that's nothing new we can go into the, into the Bible. We can look back in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, we literally saw holy men of God who were known for their prayer and the power of their prayer. We've we got one guy who literally on Mount Carmel literally prays down fire from heaven that consumes the altar, the uh, sacrifice that was on there, the rocks that were there. You know, and literally, you know, he, he literally showed what God can do through the power of prayer. We see that over and over in the Old Testament. Then we get to the New Testament. We see Jesus come along, and Jesus literally... He, he would literally calm storms with the power of prayer. He would take fishes and loaves, there were just a few, and feed thousands and thousands of people. But he would pray and he would ask God to bless them. He would, he would, he would pray and raise a man from the dead. Lazarus would come forth. 
And we see the power of prayer in the Old Testament. We see the power of prayer in the New Testament. And I think sometimes we, we go, you know what, I, I, I wish I was a man of prayer. I wish I was a woman of prayer. I wish I would see God answer more prayer. And we may, maybe we do believe that there's power in prayer, but we're not willing to submit to or learn how to be a true prayer warrior. And so people are drawn to people of prayer. In the Old Testament, they would seek out the holy God, I mean the holy man, who might be willing to intercede for them and talk to a holy God. With Moses, we talked about that a few uh, months ago when we were teaching in that. The people were like, no, Moses, you go, you meet with God, you tell us what he says. And they wanted to hear what God had to say to Moses, but they were afraid of God. And God never wanted us to be afraid of him. He's always wanted us to come near, draw near. So in Luke 11, 1, it says, once Jesus was in a certain place praying, and as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. The disciples had seen that there was power in the prayer that Jesus prayed. And a lot of people ask this question and say, well, you know, why did Jesus have to pray? He was fully God, but yet fully man. And so why would God himself have to pray to the Heavenly Father? And so here's the thing. Jesus took on this flesh, this stuff that hangs on our bones. Jesus took on the mantle, if you would, of flesh, or took on the, the, this property, if you would, of flesh, and so that he would be able to understand everything that we go through. He'd be able to empathize, sympathize. He would know what you and I would deal with, face. You know, he, he was raised in a carpenter shop. I'm sure he hit his finger at some point, but yet he did not sin. And so he, he wore this flesh, and, and, and so he, he literally understood our side of it. He understood everything that we would go through. He was tempted in every way, just as we are tempted, but yet he was without sin. But he was fully dependent on the Father. It says daily he would get up and go and pray. He would often pull away to a secret place or a private place, and he would spend time in prayer, connecting with the Heavenly Father, asking the Heavenly Father for wisdom and direction and guidance. So here is Jesus, who is fully man, who is, in other words, he is, he is in need of, of literally guidance and direction by the Heavenly Father. And he modeled that for us. And he tells us, hey, listen, if you're going to follow me, you need to be a prayer warrior. You need to spend time seeking the Father's guidance and direction in your life. And so Jesus literally would give us the model of prayer. But also in John chapter 17, it is his prayer asking God the Father to bless the disciples and all those who would come after him, which is all of us who would hear the message of the gospel. Jesus says in Matthew 17, I mean in Matthew 7, 7, says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. And so here's a statement. God's power can change circumstances and relationships. There are some of you, you think, you know what, man, I, you know, I wish that prayer would, would, would change things. And I prayed a long time. Well, the, the Bible teaches us never to give up on prayer. Keep praying. Mom and dad, that wayward child, keep praying. That, 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 that spouse that is battling an addiction, keep praying. Do not give up. Knock. Man, knock until, you know, you hear an answer. But knock. Keep praying. Jesus modeled consistent, powerful prayer. And the power of God being released into our families is critical. There's so, much, so many other powers that are at work to destroy our families, to destroy our marriage, to destroy us as individuals. The prince of powers of this world, his job is to try to destroy us. That's, that's what he seeks to do. And so it's all the more important that we become Really, prayer warriors who do battle, and we pray for our family. There's been some little old ladies through the years that were the most powerful prayer warriors that prayed for their children and their grandchildren, and God answered her prayers. And so prayer is, is one of those powerful things. God's power 
can change circumstances and relationships we see it throughout the scriptures and here's saying he's not done yet he still changes relationships there's relationships that could be mended a few weeks ago when we were reading you know we had two brothers who one had wronged him twice but yet god put it in his older brother's heart to forgive his younger brother and they came together and they were able to reconcile that relationship and there's some of you in this room that, you know what, God wants you to reconcile some relationships. He wants you to, you know, to make sure that those relationships are right. God has the power to change a relationship, to soften a heart, to bring about forgiveness. Prayer changes us. You know, I often talk about worship because I believe that whenever we're in worship, worship changes me. Whenever I realize, you know, that I am worshiping a holy God and I am a child of God, we're sons and daughters of God. Just that last song that we were singing, I'm sitting there thinking... You know, it, it changes my whole perspective. The man, I'm a child of God. I'm his, I'm his son. I'm, you know, some of you ladies are his daughters. And we can approach him and he loves us and he cares for us. And so being in worship changes me. Well, prayer changes me as well. Whenever I enter into the holy place and I realize, you know, that I am in the presence of the, the God who spoke the whole world into existence, man, it changes me, my, my position. I realize my position. I realize who I am. I realize who he is. And it changes me. And so prayer changes me. The more that I pray, the more that I realize, you know what? I'm undone. I am in need of a Savior. I am in need of God's saving grace. I am in need of His guidance in my daily life. And so look at what it says here. It says, as you grow in prayer, God will reveal more of Himself to you, breathing more of His life into your life. Who in here does not want God to literally breathe life into us? Man, I do. There are days whenever we're, we're, we're running on empty, man, we're struggling, we're, we're going through life. And, and man, for maybe to be able to sit down and, and meet with God, to get on our knees before Him and just say, God, I, I need you to give me life. I need you to give me what is needed, Lord Father, to make it through this day. And when God literally breathes His life into you and you get up from that prayer time and you realize, you know what? God, I, 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 I love you and thank you for giving me what I needed for this day. Giving me the focus that I need, the strength that I need. The forgiveness that I need. So as you grow in prayer, as you spend more and more time in prayer, here's the thing. You're connecting, you're relating, if you will, to a Heavenly Father. So God will reveal more and more of Himself. And the more He reveals of Himself, the more we realize how loving He is, how forgiving He is, and how much He cares about the details of our life. And He's breathing His life into us. In Psalms 145, 18, it says, The Lord is close to all who call on Him. Yes, to all who call on Him in truth. And so here's the thing, we have got to be authentic whenever we approach the Lord. You know, we can't come to Him with assumptions, we can't come to Him, you know, just, uh, you know, like he, it's no big deal. And here's the thing, and not just kind of throwing out false stuff to Him, but truth. God knows everything about you, He knows the thoughts that you're thinking right now. He knows the thoughts that you thought last night. He knows what you watched last night. He knows what you did last night. He knows what you did last week. He knows everything about you, there's nothing hidden from Him. Every thought that pops into your mind, whether it ever forms on your tongue or not, He knows it. And He loves you. He wants a relationship with you. But the Lord is close to those who call on Him. Yes, to all who call on Him in truth. So we've got to come before Him transparent, honest, and, and just say, God, I am broken. God, I am in need of your forgiveness. But He is close to those who come to Him in truth. Perfect peace comes only through relating with the peacemaker himself. Perfect peace. There's some of you, like I said, that maybe maybe this past week, and not just this past week, but the week before that, and the week before that, and the week before that, you have been anxious. You have been 
fretting. You have been stressing. You have been just going through life like a, a, afraid not, man. You, like you're just thinking, hey, I'm about to snap at any moment. That is not what God intends for you as a follower of Christ. He wants you to walk. He wants you to be a peacemaker, and he wants you to walk in peace. He wants you to literally experience his his peace that passes understanding, not anxiety, not worry, not fretting, not stress. But he wants you to literally enjoy peace and to enjoy those moments. And so perfect peace comes only through relating with the peacemaker himself. So, hey, listen, if you want peace in your life, meet with the, the God of peace. Meet with the God of peace. Find time to meet with the God who, who makes peace with all people, who wants a relationship with all men. All men. God wants a relationship with every human being. And so he wants to make peace with them through what his son Jesus has done on the cross. And so the more that we meet with him, the more that we experience peace. If you want anxiety and fret and all that stuff, then go, hey, go to the, the, uh, the prince of this world. Go to the evil one. He'll stir you up. He'll have you so anxious and worried about everything because that's his job. He wants to destroy you. God wants to give you peace. So there's a statement here that says, God the Father wants to hear from us and bless us. God wants to hear from us. He wants to bless us. That last song, like I said, was so perfect for what, what we're covering today that we're his sons and his daughters, and man, he cares about us. He wants to be close to us. Look at what Jesus says here. He says, one day Jesus told his disciples a story, a story to show that, that they should always pray and never give up. There was a judge in a certain city, and he said, who neither feared God nor cared about people. A widow of that city came to him repeatedly, saying, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. And the judge ignored her for a while, but finally he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people but this woman is driving me crazy i'm going to see uh, that she gets justice because she's wearing me out with her constant request then the lord said learn a lesson from this this unjust judge even if he rendered a a just decision in the end so don't you think that god will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night will he keep putting them off i tell you he will be he will grant justice to them quickly but when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on earth who have faith? Now, here's the thing you need to understand about this, this parable. This parable is a contrast. I think some of the times when we read that, we go, all right, well, God must be this hard person. who You just have to nag him to death to get any kind of response from him. That's not what he's saying. Jesus is saying, hey, listen, it's a contrast. If this guy who is so hard-hearted, who doesn't fear God or care anything about people, if he is going to give justice, how much more will your heavenly Father who loves you and cares about you, he cares about what you think, he cares about how you talk, he cares about how you serve people, how much more will your heavenly Father give to you when you ask than this so hard-hearted guy right here? He said, listen, this guy is going to do it, and if he's going to do it because of this woman persisting and continually coming to him, how much more will your Heavenly Father who cares about you and loves you and he cares about people, how much more will he answer your prayers? And so it's a contrast. And so when we look at that, we realize, you know what, if this guy can do it, then we know that our Heavenly Father is going to bless. You know, I think about with my boys. I'm, I'm a broken man. I, I'm a guy who is sinful. But the thing is, is I love my three sons. I love them. I love to hear their voice. I, I love to spend time with them. I love to talk to them. I love to see them accomplish things. I love for them to, to give them things. I love to give them things. And, and, and here I am, a sinful man. Well, how much more will my Heavenly Father, who loves me and loves you, how much more will He bless us? And how much more does He want to hear from us than even somebody like me? 
And so, I, I, like, my oldest son called me this week. He, he came home for the weekend. Hunter said, he goes, Dad, he said, let me ask you. He said, How, you know, what are yours and mom's expectations as far as Christmas this year? And what he's saying, hey, listen, you know, he, he lives in Dothan. He's working down there. He's got a girlfriend who lives in uh, Jacksonville, Florida. And her family's in Orlando. So I know what he's asking. Hey, what about if I go down there for Christmas is what he's saying. And I told him, hey, listen, I realize that, you know, you are getting to that point where you will be making your own memories, your own traditions, your own whatever. I said, but we will take whatever we can get. We, you know, if you are home for Christmas, we would love to see you at Christmas. If you're going to be here for, you know, for that, man, then we're going to celebrate. We're going to have fun. But I realize that there will be a day. And moms and dads, you need to understand this. That someday, that, you know what? They're going to our children to go and go out and they're going to make their own memories, their own traditions. And you've got to be willing to let them go with your blessings and not make them feel guilty. But here's the thing. I will take all that I can get with my son. You know, and so just this past weekend, just being able to spend some time with him, I will take all that I can get with him. I love to hear him talk about what he's doing. You know, I, like, I love to hear about, you know, his decisions and what he's learning. And I'm just a broken sinner. But God cares more about the details of your life than I'll ever care for my son as much as I love him. And so this parable is a contrast. And here's what I would say. We are not abandoned. You know, the widow in that story, the widows at that time, they were often cast out their husband died then their dad or a brother or a relative or somebody had to care for them they often didn't have anything so they were oftentimes homeless and abandoned and so here she is all she's got is the, the you know the opportunity to go to this judge so she keeps going to this judge over and over and over and over again and some people you know will probably say hey listen you are wasting your time you know he's hard-hearted he doesn't fear god he doesn't care about people he is not going to do anything but she stayed with it and here's what I would just say to us, that we are God's children. We are not abandoned. He does want to bless us. He does want to hear from us. He wants to hear you cry out to him. He wants to hear your voice. Here's the last one. We must know that he loves to hear our voice. We need to know that. There's a song that some guys put out years ago. I think it was Phillips, Craig, and Dean. And In that song, it talks about how God loves to hear the oceans crash on on the seashore he loves to hear the wind blowing through the trees but the, his favorite song of all is the cry of the redeemed and i love that statement the cry of the redeemed in other words if someone cries out and says jesus will you save me and jesus has already answered that when he, nailed, he was nailed to the cross with his hands wide open his desires that all people be saved and so it says that literally heaven rejoices. There's this incredible party that takes place. If one person calls out and says, Jesus, will you save me? Jesus, will you come and live within me? So God's favorite song of all is the cry of the redeemed. Jesus, will you come and live within me? Jesus, will you forgive me of my sins? Jesus, will you live in me and through me? And his answer is yes. So the cry of the redeemed is what God loves to hear. And here's the thing, once you make that cry, once you make that plea, once you receive Jesus Christ, you are adopted into his family. And I think about some of the families in our church that have gone through all the painstaking details of, of adopting a child. They have spent tons of money going through all kinds of paperwork and interviews and all these things. Many of them have had to travel to another side of the world to literally adopt a child and bring that child home and say, hey, listen, this is your forever home. This is your family. Man, and I, I salute those guys. I, man, I am so proud of what they've gone through. But here's what God went through. God sent his son from heaven to here to literally to become a man, to hang flesh on him. He would literally go through life with no sin, and he would be beaten, he would be pierced, and he would die on a cross 
so that you could be purchased, so that you could be adopted, so that you could be redeemed. That is the power of the gospel at work. And so whenever we, we realize, you know what? I am a child of God. I've been adopted into his family. I have been chosen by him. And so these parents have literally chosen that child and they have sacrificed and they've gone through anything and everything they have to to make that child part of their family. That's how God cares about you. That's how much he loves you. He wants a relationship with you. It's not about religion. It's about a relationship. And he wants to be able to bless you and be involved in your life. So you must know that God loves you. He loves you and he wants to hear from you. He loves your voice. He loves to hear you cry out to him. He loves to hear you share with him about your day. He loves for you to ask for advice and direction. Look at what Jesus says. And Jesus said, when, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. And what he's saying, hey, they did it for attention. They've already got what they're going to get. He says, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans. In other words, it's not repetition, repetition, some prayer that, you know, you've prayed over and over. But it needs to be genuine. It needs to be truth, like he says in Psalms. Babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. God already knows what we need. He just wants to hear from us. And sometimes he wants us to ask him. And it's okay to do that. I had someone tell me last week that said, you know, I didn't want to bother. His wife was going through some stuff. He said, I didn't want to bother God. I said, dude, you're not bothering God. He's your heavenly father. He loves you. He wants to know. There's oftentimes we'll ask people, hey, man, what can we do to help? And they're like, hey, just pray. Prayer is not just pray. Prayer is the one thing that we ought to do automatically. But there's sometimes there's other things we ought to step in and do. And so we've got to understand God loves to hear our voice. And here Jesus is saying, hey, listen, there's a few things you need to understand when you're praying. And here's four things that I think we need, to, we need to be reminded of. We need to pray regularly. Jesus prayed regularly. He prayed daily. We need to pray regularly. It doesn't need to be just when there's a catastrophe, just whenever there's a need, just when a bill can't be paid. But we are praying regularly, daily, man, and sometimes throughout the day. You know, one of the things we said when we started Journey Church, we wanted Journey Church to be a place where praying was like breathing, man, that we were praying, we were constantly interceding and standing in the gap. But I think sometimes we get to the point where, you know, prayer is just one of those things that we just do every once in a while, but we need to pray regularly. Number two, we need to pray privately. There's a great movie that came out called War Room. I would encourage you to watch it. It's a, it's a story of a lady who her, her and her husband were going through a tough time, and an older lady was teaching her, hey, you need a war room. You need a closet to go get in, and you need to do battle for your family. And moms and dads, I'd be reminded, that, that movie's not just a movie just to watch and kind of be a, a tearjerker. It is a movie that is teaching truth. And we need to be willing to say, listen, you know what, God, give me that place where I can draw aside and I can literally kind of you know, dial out the distractions around me, and I'm able to get on my knees before you, God, and pray for my family and fight for my family. One of the wins that we talked about last week with the, the group that was here on the stage, the panel that was on stage, is, you know, hey, it was awesome to see two families fighting for their family. And I would just say that to all of us. You know, one of, my, one of my prayers is that we will not just be an audience, but we'll be an army. We won't be just an audience. We'll be an army. And we'll have prayer warriors in this, in this place that literally they fight 
They, they do battle with the evil one. We fight against darkness. We fight against sin. We fight against the, the, the lost of this world. And we do everything we can to reach those that are far from God. And, and, and here's the thing. We've got to be willing to pray for the lost to be saved and for disciples to be made and for people to become people of prayer. And this church would be known as a people of, church, of prayer. I don't want to be just known as a church, hey, they got a nice facility. I want to be known as a people of prayer that prays for our community. And we pray for doors to open up where we can bless our community, where we can drive back the darkness and the lostness of our community. That's what we should be praying for. So we pray privately. And we pray sincerely. You're not going in there just kind of going through the motions, kind of, hey, I know I need to do this, God. And I hope you bless it, but God... Go in there sincere. Realize you're meeting with the, with the holy God of the, the universe, the, the one who spoke all things into existence. And go in there sincerely. You're not just, you know, there's times I've seen people pray over pray a blessing. It's the same blessing all the time. And you wonder, hey, is that just a vain repetition? Or is that just babbling? Or is that sincere? We say, we pray, say the same blessing over every meal. Is it just religious repetition? Or is it a sincere prayer? And I think, you know what, if you ever hear someone pray, I remember one time I was at a, a football devotion. I had done the devotion, and, and they said, hey, uh, such and such, would you be willing to close in prayer? When that guy got through praying, I knew in my heart that guy knew who, who he was talking to. I mean, there was, there was a connection, and you knew that man knew the God that he was talking to. There was no doubt in your mind. And, and so it needs to be sincere. Here's another one. Pray specifically. A lot of times we just say, God, I just want you to bless my day. Well, how do you want him to bless your day? God, I pray that you would use me. Well, God, how do you want me to be used today? And pray specifically. God, I pray that you bless my neighbors. God, show me how I can bless my neighbors who live on my left, who live on my right, who live across the street. God, show me how I can use my gifts in the church. God, show me specifically where you want me to serve. And so too often what we do is we just pray, you kind of, you know, cover everything prayers. God, feed all the kids in Africa. Well, then pray about what ministry you're going to support that does feed those kids in Africa. Pray specifically. Jesus gave this. He said, this then is how you should pray. It says, our, our, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Holy is he. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's all about God's kingdom. It's all about God, your will being done, not mine. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from, evil, from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Jesus teaching the disciples here, he gives them this model prayer. He said, there's some things you need to understand. And I want to give you something that's called a pattern for prayer. That I was taught as a kid. I went over this with some guys in our in our in a men's group that I meet with. It's a discipleship group that we do, and we covered this. And so many of you may have grown up with the same pattern of prayer, but it's called the Acts acrostic, if you will. And the first one is adoration. And so you begin your prayer. You you literally you enter into the holy space or the holy place or the holy of holies, if you want to call it that. But you are entering into the presence of God. And so by realizing that, hey, you know what? I want to enter into this prayer, not with my wish list or my want list, but I'm coming in here kind of humble before a holy God. And so through adoration, what you begin to do is you begin to, you know, literally name what God is. You begin to praise him for his character, for his attributes. He is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. 
He, he is omniscient. He is all-knowing. He knows everything about me. And so you begin to call those things out and say, God, you are these things. God, you are holy. God, you are just. God, you are forgiving. God, you are gracious. God, you are, you are, and you're just literally listing those things off. And the more that you realize who you're praying to, it begins to reveal the condition of your heart and the position of your heart that, you know what, we come before him. We are his children, but he is still the holy God. He is a righteous father. He's a loving father. And so the more that we enter into that time, we realize the position that we are in, that we're coming into the presence of the one true God. And there ought to be something about humility that comes into our mind. And we realize I am unworthy to be here. None of us are worthy. It is only because of what Christ did on the cross and through the power of the resurrection that any of us can even approach the throne of grace. And so whenever we approach that time of prayer, we're not flippantly going into it, but we are adoring who he is. That's what we do in worship, isn't it? And so maybe for you, you sit there and you begin to call out the names of God. You begin to worship who He is. He's everywhere. I can't get away from Him. I can't go to the depths. I can't get away from Him. I can go to the top, tallest mountain. I can't get away from Him. He's everywhere. And we realize that whenever we go into that time of prayer, He knows everything. And it's a powerful thing to be reminded of who He is. The second thing there is confession. is naming our faults. Because I have entered into the presence of the Most High... I feel undone. It's kind of like whenever there's light in the room, it begins to drive out darkness. And I don't know about you, but if Jesus were to walk up to you, there's a part of me I feel like that I would begin to realize the areas of my life that I have not been honoring him in. If he were to walk into your home, if you knew, hey, you know what, Jesus is coming to my house tonight, would you change how your house is set up? Would you get rid of a few things? Because, you know what, the light of the world is walking into my home tonight. Here's the thing is we get to walk into the presence of the light of the world every day. And so whenever we walk into that light, it begins to reveal those dark areas of our heart where there's sin, where there is, there's greed, where there's lust, where there's hate, where there's bitterness, where there's anger. All these things begin to illuminate, you know, and we go, you know what, that is sin in my life. I'm hanging on to that. And so, God, I want to confess that to you. He already knows it's there. He's just put his finger on it. And so we confess it. We say, God, this is a fault in my life. This is a sin. I have missed the mark in this area of my life. And so we confess that. Then here's the next one, Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is not about turkeys and not about ham. And I know a lot of times we think that's what it's all about. But Thanksgiving is pausing and saying, God, I want to thank you for what you've done. God, I want to thank you in advance for what you're going to do. And so, God, I want to thank you for my family. I want to thank you for this food. God, I want to thank you for the provisions that you've brought into my family. God, I want to thank you for the job that I have. God, I want to thank you for the house that we have to meet in, to sleep in. And so Thanksgiving is not just a holiday. It should be a frame of mind that we live out day in, day out. We talked about being anxious a while ago. The Bible says in Philippians, says, be anxious about nothing, but by prayer and supplication, present your request before God with thanksgiving. In other words, that what we do is we literally present our request. We literally lift up these prayer requests before God with thanksgiving. We're thanking him before the prayer is ever answered for what God is going to do. We thank him for his will. We thank him for his provision. We thank him for his son, Jesus, who went to the cross. And so thanksgiving is expressing gratitude. And S, supplication, is asking for help. Supplication is asking for help. That's when we go, you know, God, I need your help in this area of my life. And we become specific in those areas. 
God, I pray for courage and boldness to be able to share my faith with Billy or Greg or Steve or whoever it is that I work with. God, I pray that you'd give me the words to be able to share. God, I pray that you'd orchestrate a time to meet. Or maybe you work with some lady and say, hey, listen, one of you ladies say, hey, listen, I want to be able to share with this young lady that I'm working with. I know she's lost and I want to be able to share. So God, I'm praying that you will orchestrate that meeting. And I pray that you'll put the words in my mouth and give me the courage to share the faith that I have. And then God, show me how to disciple her. Help me to teach her and equip her and prepare her for the works of ministry. And so, God, I pray that you do those things. Look at what it says in Matthew 21. Then Jesus told them, I tell you the truth, if you have faith and don't doubt, you can do things like this and much more. You can even say to this mountain, may, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will, it will happen. And you can pray for anything, and it will, if you have faith, you will receive it. And so everything is about faith. It's not about repetition. It's not about religion. It's about a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. It only happens through faith. It is our faith in what Christ has done. It is our faith in the resurrection. It is our faith in God's Word. It is our faith in our Heavenly Father. It is our faith in His Son, Jesus, that changes everything. And so when we look at that and we realize, you know what? Man, there's faith involved. It's not about that repetition, but it's about faith. And what Jesus had just done, he just cursed a fig tree. And they're all, and the disciples are like, wow, man, that's awesome. That's, that's, that's pretty cool. He goes, dude, that ain't nothing. That's just a fig tree that withered. He said, listen, man, there's bigger things that God wants to do. You know, there's, there's going to be things that will come up that will seem like a mountain to you. But you know what? You can have that mountain moved if you have enough faith. And so what happens is we, too often, we have mountains come up in our life. And maybe it's a physical issue or maybe it's a financial bill or maybe it's a medical bill. Or maybe it's a strained relationship. Or maybe, you know, there's, there's some addiction or whatever it might be. And we go, you know, but God, you don't understand this mountain. He go, he understands the mountain. He sees everything. He knows everything. And too often what we do, we have to shift the focus. We must shift the focus from the size of our mountain to the sufficiency of our God. We've got to believe that God is sufficient. We've got to believe that God is bigger than the mountain that we're facing. And too often we cower like Goliath. The, the nation of Israel is out there cowering because they see Goliath and they see his size and they're focused on him. But David was focused on the God who could destroy anything. David was focused on God. And so there's times that we, we literally will go through life and we'll be so focused on the mountain we, we forget, you know what, there's a God who's bigger than that. The most common causes of unanswered prayer. Number one is we just don't pray. So many times you can say, well, Mike, well, did, they, did you ask or did someone ask? And the reason that, you know, the things that we wish would be answered or that God would provide or that God would do, we just don't ask. The Bible says you have not for you ask not. And there are so many times that we don't even pray. We don't even ask God. We're just in our mind. We're thinking, well, I wish he would read my mind. He knows your thoughts, but he also teaches us and tells us to pray. Jesus taught the disciples to pray. If we're followers of Christ, we're to pray. It should be part of our life. It should, be, it should literally be exactly the way that Jesus tried to live is exactly how we should try to live. So we don't pray. Here's another one. We have unconfessed sin. There's some of us in this room that we've been praying a prayer, but you know what? It goes unanswered because there's sin in your heart. That sin could be bitterness, anger, resentment, hatred, slander, jealousy, envy. You know, you're coveting what someone else has. I mean, it could be idolatry. Maybe you have some other small G God in your life that it gets all of your attention, all of your affection. You know, it could be anything. It could be your phone. It could be your technology. It could be your, your social media. It could be all those type of things. But there's something that is getting in the way, and it is sin. And God is saying, hey, listen, until you deal with this, that, that answer won't come. 
And so we have unconfessed sin in our life, and we've got to be willing to say, God, reveal to me the sin in my life so that I can confess it with, to you, God. And then here's another one. We have unresolved re- relational conflict. There's someone that you have been in a damaged relationship. You know, you hate them, they hate you. God is telling you, hey, listen, don't even come in here and worship if you're not going to deal with that. Don't come up here to the altar and bring something, you know, until you deal with that. But you've got to be willing to say, hey, listen, God, I want to make sure that I'm at peace with all people as much as possible. And hey, you know what? If they may, they may never change, but you should. They may never change, but we should. We should be willing to forgive whether they ever forgive or not. They may be as mean-spirited. They may never change at all, but you know what? You should. And so we have unresolved relational conflict. Here's another. We pray with selfish motives. We ask for things not for the right reasons, not for God's will, but for our gain. And God says, you know what? He's not going to bless you with more if you're not going to do more with it. If you're just kind of building a nest egg, if you're just kind of building up the, the account and you're not looking for ways to bless others, he's not going to bless you. So if we're praying selfish prayers where it's all about, hey, what I want, God, rather than what he wants and for looking for ways to bless others. And here's the, here's the last one that lines up with that. We don't care about others in need. We often pray wanting certain things. We want that job. We want that promotion. We want that uh, pay raise or whatever. Not so that we can help others. We want it so that we can maybe make ourselves a little bit more comfortable. But the Bible says over and over, I don't know if you realize this, but you remember we talked about the widow a while ago? Throughout the scriptures, it talks about take care of the widows and the orphans. The widows and the orphans. Show kindness to the widows and orphans. God has a heart for those that can't help themselves. God has a heart for those who can't help themselves. And whenever we are so focused on us that we don't care about those who can't help themselves, God says, you know what? Your heart's not right. Therefore, your prayers won't be answered. I thought about a while ago in that video, and I don't know if y'all saw the clip. In the announcement video, it was showing some people walking up a, a hill with jugs on their head. And they were walking up the, this, this hill with these five-gallon jugs of water on, on their head. That's what that was. And so, you know, one of the things we've done through the years is we have invested so that we can build, we can drill water wells all over the world. And we invest in that through the Big Give. Whenever you give to the Big Give, you're drilling water wells. And so one year, we, we literally, we drilled a, a water well over in uh, Botswana, Africa. We raised $20,000 because back then, it's about what it took. I think they've got it down to about 15000 now is what it takes to drill a water well. But that water well keeps people from having to tote water for miles and miles and miles. And I know we take that for granted. I mean, you guys go out here and get water out of a water fountain. You can go wash your hands. You know, you got up and took showers this morning, I hope, you know, or a bath or something. But there's places in the world where, you know what, they don't have good, clean drinking water. And where they do go and get it, a lot of times it's not clean at all. It's got all kinds of bacteria and all kinds of stuff in it that literally causes death. You know, and, and we've said this through the years. You know, people don't realize this, but there's people that die from literally uh, diarrhea. Diarrhea. Because of waterborne illnesses that kill people all over the world. You know, here in America, we just make out a joke. But they get these waterborne illnesses. And so what we try to do is we try to drill wells where there's fresh, clean water where they can, and it's closer to them where, and usually it's women and children that have to tote that water. Five gallons on their head for miles. One place where we put a water well down to people were having to walk five miles just to get water. And so part of the reason that we, you know, we have prayers that go unanswered, maybe we don't care enough about the people that can't take care of themselves or that just need our help. It's not so that we can become, have more stuff and more places to store stuff. Maybe God would bless us more if we would bless others more. Here's the here's last steps and we're done. The first one there is I will, get, I will get my heart right with God today. 
See, if you want your prayer to be answered, you've got to have your heart right. You've got to confess whatever the sin is. And there may be some of you in this room, you've never put your faith in Christ. The things of God are foolishness to the man who does not know Christ. The things of God are foolishness to the common man. But if you have the Spirit of the God living within you, there's things in this, this book, there's things in the Bible that all of a sudden become to life. But if you haven't ever accepted Christ, you've never put your faith in Jesus, I'm just telling you, you're on the outside looking in. And I want for you what God wants for you. And that is for you to be saved. And that is for you to know that, you know what, your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, that you're adopted into His family. You're part of the family of God. And here's, here's the other thing I would say is that, you, you know what, God hears your voice. He wants that relationship with you. Now, the greatest, the greatest cry that He loves to hear is say, when you say, hey, Jesus, save me. I want to be redeemed. I want to be saved. So that I will get my heart right with God today. The second one, I will pray daily with my family. I haven't always done that, but after this week, I feel like that's what God has put on my heart. So I'm going to try my best to pray with my family daily. I pray for them daily, but I want to pray with them daily. And there may be some of you dads in here, you go, man, I don't really know how to pray with them. Get somebody to teach you. Come find me. I'll teach you how to, how to pray over your family. But don't sit there and make excuses and say, well, you know, I'm not. I'm, but just say, you know what, I want to pray for my family daily. I'm going to learn how to be a prayer warrior. I'm going to stand in the gap, and I'm going to fight for my family. I'm going to do whatever it takes to lead them and lead them well. And then the last one, I will not give up praying for my family. Don't give up. There's so many times when I see people that, that I feel like they go, you mean I've been praying for years and they just want to give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. I, I know it's so easy to feel like, we well, you know, this world is going to hell in a handbasket. Man, and Mike, you just don't understand. It's getting worse every day. Don't give up. Keep fighting the good fight. Keep doing whatever you got to do. But pray for the lost. Share the gospel. Do what it takes. Don't sit there and say, I'm going to give up. But say, man, I'm going to give my best. I want to be a warrior. I don't want to just be in an audience. I want to be part of an army. And quit making excuses. But say, man, I'm not going to give up. Don't be a quitter. But say, you know what? I'm going to continue to pray. I'm going to pray for that uncle. I'm going to pray for that aunt. I'm going to pray for that child that is wavered. I'm going to pray for that guy that is strung out on, a, on addiction of some type. I'm going to pray that he'll be set free. I'm going to pray for healing. Don't give up. I feel like the church has almost given up. We go, we can't do anything. We're powerless. That is a lie from hell. If we would be a people of prayer, I'm telling you, God would do things that we can't get our mind around. But we can't just keep going through the motions and not be willing to fight the good fight. And be prayer warriors. Praying for souls to be saved. Praying for, for God to open doors for me to share my faith with somebody. Praying for God to put somebody in my life that I can disciple. And I'm telling you, it starts with every one of us. We've got to be willing to say, God, use me. Use me. Don't give up. Don't stop praying. Don't give up the fight. Fight for your family. Fight for your kids. Do not buy into the lies that Satan is selling. I want to ask you if you will just close your eyes and bow your head. And Maybe you're here today and you've never put your faith in Christ. You've never accepted Jesus. Man, I want to tell you, that is the main thing that you need to do today. Get your heart right with God. Maybe you're sitting here and you go, Mike, I've never accepted Christ. I've never asked Jesus to come and live with, within me. Let me tell you, it's a simple prayer that we pray. And prayer is involved in that as well. But this prayer is this. It's a prayer of my heart. But it's a prayer that I pray believing that God can save me. And so this prayer goes like this. So Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. Jesus, I believe that you went to the cross. Jesus, I believe that you died for me on that cross. Jesus, I believe that you were laid in a tomb. And I believe that you were resurrected by the power of God. 
And so Jesus, I believe that you can wash away my sins, and I believe that you can save me. And so with all the faith that I have, Jesus, I am putting my faith in you for salvation. And so Jesus, will you come and you live, will you come and live within me? His answer is yes. And so right now, if that's you, just say, Jesus, I want to ask you, come and live within me. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I ask you to teach me how to live for you. That's repentance. That's confession and repentance. And so if you just prayed that prayer, man, just raise your hand and say, Mike, I just prayed that prayer. I just asked Christ to come into my life. Anybody in the room, just raise your hand and say, Mike, I just asked Jesus to come into my life to save me. Right here, I see your hand. Anybody else? Have the courage. There are four people in the first service gave their life to Christ. They said, man, I want to ask Jesus to come and live within me. Anybody else? I see your hand right here. Anybody else? Anybody else? Anybody else? If you just raise your hand, I want you to look up here at me. Nobody else? Just you. I just want you to look up here. If you just ask Christ to come to live within you, you prayed that prayer. The power of prayer is at work in you right now. And here's what I want you to understand. A God who created all that we see, he spoke it all into existence. He wants a relationship with you, and he just purchased you with the blood of Christ. You are his child. Welcome to the family of God. That is awesome, brother. I'm proud of you, man. That's awesome. Take the courage to do that. There's lots of us in this room that, man, you know what? We're not right with God. We may have a relationship with him, but here's the thing. It's strained with him. And maybe there's some of us in this room, man, we just need to get our heart right. We just ask God, help, forgive me. God, help me to be a prayer warrior. Help me to be a person of prayer. And so, man, I just want to encourage you. Man, just go to God right now. Say, God, will you reveal what areas of my life are not honoring you? God, I want to commit that to you. And God, I want to confess it as sin. And I want to walk out of here today different. God, I don't want to just be a part of an audience. I want to be, I want to be part of an army. That's making a difference for the kingdom of God. so thankful for our brother who just put his faith in christ so awesome let's give him a hand let's welcome him to the family of god welcome brother let's pray father i thank you for today god i thank you that you love us god i think that you want to hear our voice god we're not bothering you you love us you care about us you want a relationship with us. god i thank you that our brother has a new relationship with you god I thank you for the four in the first service who put their faith in you for salvation today. God, thank you for the family growing. And God, I, I pray that we would be a people of prayer. We'd be prayer warriors. We'd be an army that you can count on, God, that you can trust. God, help us as a church be a place of prayer. Uh, this would be a people of prayer and a place of prayer. God, use us as your vessels. Change us starting today. In Jesus' name, amen.